This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You know, we reach a point and then there's another place we want to go. But what if that's okay? Would that change how you would feel about gold if you allowed it to be okay that once you hit it, you will desire more? Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll learn whether superfoods are fact or fiction. We'll discuss how to actually hit your goals. We'll find out how to get iron into your diet. And lastly, we'll explore proper gym etiquette. But first, a little bit of business. Omega Alpha is 100% Canadian-owned and has been GMP-certified for manufacturing to pharmaceutical standards since its inception in 1992. It uses only all-natural herbs, vitamins, and minerals in their formulations. The company is site-licensed for manufacturing nutraceuticals by the Natural Health Products Directorate, a division of Health Canada. They have four company divisions, both a consumer line and professional line of human products, equine pet health products, and a custom manufacturing private label division. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit their website at omegaalphainc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team headed by their owner, operator, and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer-reviewed articles and conference proceedings, and he's a regular on this show. Welcome back, Gordon. How are you? Very good, Jamie. Thanks for having me back again. Always a pleasure. Today, we're taking a little bit of a detour, and we're talking about superfoods, which is something... We actually haven't done on this show, and I think, you know, a lot of people are aware of superfoods, but they may not know what it means. So I guess we should start with, is there a definition of what superfood is, or is it just really a marketing word? In all fairness, there's no official definition of what's called a superfood. A lot of it is marketing, but even after having said a lot of it is marketing, there is some truth behind the marketing. Okay. Okay. So, but what I don't want everybody to go home is just because somebody says it's a superfood, all right, doesn't mean that it is a superfood. Okay. Yeah. When certain foods are called a superfood, there's a reason for it. Usually it's very high in protein. It's very high in certain antioxidants, right? It's high in minerals, right? So again, and when you say that, you say compared to what? Right. Yeah, I mean, are we comparing it to the regular processed foods or regular raw foods? Not processed foods. Usually superfoods are something, it's a single single ingredient, right. meaning it's a thing. For example, things like goji berries have been called a superfood, right? right? Mm-hmm. And the reason that's been called a superfood because it is very high in antioxidants, right? Okay. Now, there are a lot of foods that have antioxidants, but also goji berries probably have more antioxidants than, per se, a lemon, okay, or a lime. Sure. Right? However, if it depends on what kind of antioxidants you're looking for or what ingredients you're looking for. For example, if I was a sailor, sailing the British sailor, sailing the seas in the 14th and the 15th century, 16th century, right, we know that scurvy was a huge issue there. Right. Right? 
the Brits will call limeys because they, they found on limes. a way to get around the scurvy by by sucking back on on limes. Yep. Right. Yep. Hence, for them, limes was a superfood. Right. Right. If you are a vegan, for example, and what, getting protein into you from a plant vegetable source is always difficult. So if I was to find, for example, quinoa, right? Mm-hmm. Quinoa would be considered a superfood because it's very high in protein. Or even something like spirulina, high in protein. Also, also it's much higher in protein than, say, other plant-based foods, right? Okay. Yep. But if I was eating it, um, comparing it to a steak, for example, right? You know, it probably doesn't have as much protein as a steak, but... You know, this, the downsides of eating a steak is all the fat, etc., that goes with it, right. which a lot of us probably don't need, right? So it, it's, uh, it depends on how what you're looking for into calling it a superfood. Right. So there's no one superfood that's going to have, for example, higher levels of phytonutrients, antioxidants, minerals, proteins. Like, there's no food that has it all, is what you, you seem to be saying. Rather, there are foods that have a perhaps disproportionate amount of some of these things, which make that's them right. superfoods, right? Yeah. That's right. And that's a key here. Because they have um, higher amounts compared to other types of food, they, we usually classify them as a superfood. Okay, right? so, yeah. That in itself is a good thing. Of course. Because as you boil on to it sometimes, it's that, as my daughter would say to me, Dad, you're limited by the number of calories you can take in, right? Yep. You're trying to get the best bang for the buck. So, you know, if you take the superfoods, right, your, your gut only has, your stomach only has so much space, I need to get a, a certain amount of antioxidants into me, right? Superfoods is definitely one of the ways of getting it into you, right? For example, you know, things like spirulina, yep. right? I know people love spirulina because it's high in min- certain minerals, right? And it's high in, in different types of amino acids. Right, so mm-hmm. that in itself makes it a superfood because a little bit goes a long way. I can add a little bit for breakfast, and it supplies my body with a lot of different ingredients, which I would have to consume a lot more of other things to get. Maybe it would be helpful if we went through some of the superfoods or alleged superfoods, and you could identify what the benefits of those foods are, because they're all different, right? For sure. All right. You mentioned goji berries before. What are the benefits of goji berries? Well, one of the things about goji berries, it's usually classified as being very high in antioxidants. Right. Now, there's so many different antioxidants out there, right? Every plant-based product has a lot, has antioxidants in it. Okay. But ounce for ounce, right, goji berries probably have more antioxidants and say compared to say an orange for example right right but as i pointed out what we're comparing here sometimes is, and i hate to say this apples and oranges <laughs> apples and oranges right okay. right because really you know even though it has a lot of antioxidants it may not have say very high i mean it's high in things like vitamin c and certain and maybe the lycopenes etc right yeah but it may not be, say, high in zinc, for example, right? Or fiber. Or fiber. No, it'll probably be high in fiber because it? okay. it's a berry and, you know, got it. so on. But it may it be sugar, for example, it may be too high in sugar, right? Compared to, say, um, let me think of what, what's another fruit that that's low in sugar, like berries. Berries are fairly low in sugar. Right, okay. Right? 
You know what I mean? So again, a lot of it, you know, the antioxidants is basically what we're looking at for things like goji berry. Okay, so why don't we approach this a little bit differently? If I were looking for superfoods that were high in protein, which one should I look at? I would definitely say quinoa is something that you you find easily. Things like spirulina that you find easily. Even something as lowly as a soybean, right? Mm-hmm. They're high in protein. Right now, there's people who don't like soybean because they say they're allergic to soy. Right. Okay. Most of us, I haven't heard too many people being allergic to quinoa as yet, and being allergic to um, spirulina as yet. But it's like anything else. The more people you have using it, there's bound to be somebody who who will have an allergy to it. Got right. It. So you you have to be prepared to uh, to mix it up a bit. And I, and I find that if you mix it up a bit, you get your protein from various sources. That seems to be one of the best ways of doing it. I mean, even something like the lowly lentil, mm-hmm. right? You have a lot of protein in lentil, right? The difference with protein in lentils, per se, and say protein coming from quinoa or, or even spirulina, sometimes the, protein, the lentil protein is not a complete protein, right. meaning it doesn't have all the essential amino acids. So you've got to mix that up to get all the essential amino acids. All right. If I were looking to get a boost of fiber, which superfood should I look to? Okay. For fiber, you know, there are so many different things that, that contain fiber, sure. right? Something like flaxseed will have lots of fiber. Mm-hmm. Something as psyllium seed or psyllium husk has mm-hmm. a lot of fiber, right? Those are just the two that come to my mind right off the get-go. There's also added advantages if you take um, flaxseed meal, right? right? The advantage there is that you also get some omega-3 fatty acids to go with it, right? Alpha-linoleic, alpha-linolenic omega-3s, right? So, and the body can always do it with more omega-3s in their diet, right? So, any plant material, green leafy vegetables, are a great source of fiber. Okay. Right. So what I basically wanted to say is that superfoods, one of the things I like about superfoods, it gives you a lot of different ingredients in a smaller package. Right. Okay. So I know there are some mushrooms that are considered superfoods. What benefits do they bring? Okay. Mushrooms are an interesting thing. A lot of the things with mushrooms these days is that one of the things we know about mushrooms is that boost the immune system. That's from a medical point of view from, you know, so, and how do they boost the immune system? Again, it increases the white blood cells, right, mm-hmm. number, but you have to realize you can only increase it to a certain extent. Anything, it, it doesn't push it past what we call normal, okay? So it give, pushes you to the upper side of normal. Okay. Right? It also increases the ability of your natural killer cells to find viruses and bacteria. So again, to the upper side of normal. So you don't get a, a Frankenstein-type natural killer cell floating out, out there. It increases production of things like antibodies and so on. So it boosts the immune system, right? Mushrooms are famous for that. Now, if you look into the literature, there are some studies to show that mushrooms will help with certain different types of diseases. For example, um, some people have used things like Ganoderma, or, or the Chinese word is Lingxi, mm-hmm. for the treatment of things like cancer, right? There's another mushroom that they use called Coriolis versicola, right? Now, if you look into the literature, that's what you see, mm-hmm. okay? If you ask 
is anybody using it in conventional medicine? The answer is no. And the reason the answer is no is because the clinical trials have not been done like that. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Yep. And nobody has really done those clinical trials. I mean, you have some small clinical trials done, but, you know, it, it because they're small, uh, as somebody would say to me, one sparrow does not a summer make. <laughs> yeah, so the type of evidence that you're talking about is anecdotal or empirical as opposed to... Uh, no, there's some inf- information, but the, you don't have any huge clinical trials. Gotcha. And okay. it's like the bigger the clinical trial, the more robust the information, the more robust the information, you know, it makes it more reliable, right? But what, what I always say about some of these trials is that everybody's a little bit different. Their biochemistry is different. And what's interesting is that when you do a clinical trial, the bigger it is, you get, sometimes you get lost in the noise, right? Yeah. Because there are some people, it works on for whatever reason, right? But when you get it, go to a bigger clinical trial, the, sometimes things get lost in the noise, meaning that the positive effects that you expect to see just isn't there, right? Yeah. And that could be because of people's biochemistry, situations are different, etc. Some of the superfoods that we think about, you know, have to sort of be incorporated with other foods. They may not taste great or they may not be in a form that you can actually cook with. But then there's others that, you know, are probably part of people's diets, like, for example, blueberries or papaya, you know, acai, uh, stuff like that, right? Yeah. yeah. The nice thing with superfoods, you can incorporate it as part of your normal everyday diet diet, right? And it's like anything else, like, you know, you're getting antioxidants, for example, blueberries, right? You you are going to get antioxidants, which you probably don't, won't normally encounter in your everyday meat and potatoes diet. Sure. Right? And a lot of us, whether we like it or not, we have a big meat and potato diet, so meaning we eat the same things all the time, right? Yeah. And so, like, you know, you don't eat any type of fruits and vegetables, and it's a good, nice way of getting it into your system. And, you know, all I'm saying is that at the end of the day, it leads to overall increase in health, right? So something as simple as taking a green drink every day will help you. Yep. Right? And it's not because the green drink is superior to everything out there diet-wise. It's just that if you incorporate that as part of your, your diet, you're getting a lot of antioxidants and phytonutrients, which most people probably normally never get. Yeah, the key is have it with the green drinks. I mean, you can always go out and buy them. But if you have a good blender, like you need a good one, you can put together these meals pretty quickly. For sure, right? But what I like about a lot of the green drinks is that it's like a multivite for phytonutrients. Yeah. You get a little bit of everything. Sure. Right? Because not every single green vegetable contains the same phytonutrients. Mm-hmm. Right? And different phytonutrients have different effects on the body anyway. Okay. Should we be concerned at all? Are there any contraindications with any of these superfoods? Most of the superfoods, if you because you remember, you treat it like a food, right? Yeah. I wouldn't worry too much about that working against things like medications and so on, okay? Because as long as you treat it like a food. If you want to sit down there, for example, and you normally take a green drink every day, one green drink a day is fine. But then the people who goes overboard and say, oh, it's, a, it's considered a superfood, so let's go live on it, and that's all we consume, right? Mm. Then 
if there's going to be a problem, that's when you run into a problem. It's like water. Water by itself is no problem. You can drink, say, eight glasses a day, and that's usually considered okay. You can go to 10 glasses a day, no problem. But then if you drink water and you do not go to the bathroom, etc., right, and you drink so much water, you can basically mess with your electrolyte balance in your body. And that whenever you change the electrolyte balance in the body, you can lead to a heart attack or so. Right. So I guess anything in excess, the key here is anything in excess is a bad thing. That makes total sense. So the take-home message I always like to say to everybody, moderation on all things. I know that is your manifesto, sir. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure, Jamie. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Gordon Chang. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss how to actually hit your goals on The Tonic. Ever wonder if your probiotics are really working for you? To fully benefit from probiotics, you need to ensure they're not destroyed by your stomach acids. Clinical studies prove that enteric coating guarantees safe intestinal delivery of live, active probiotic cells. New Roots Herbal offers a variety of enteric-coated probiotics formulated to meet your specific needs. Available exclusively at fine health food stores. Find them in the refrigerated section. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Hinacon guides and mentors people to work through seemingly unbreakable barriers, whether it be creating quantum leaps in their business or exceeding personal goals. She helps people challenge the thoughts and beliefs that are holding them back. Then through extensive work, those thoughts and beliefs are replaced with ones which help to supercharge her clients' growth. As a peak performance coach and registered psychotherapist inactive, Hina has been a student of the mind, human behavior, and human potential for almost two decades. She's also a familiar face in the media and is called on as an expert for a number of television programs, podcasts, and delivers keynote presentations and training to entrepreneurs, organizations, and teams. For more information, you can visit hinacon.ca. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you, Jamie? Doing great. So today we're going to talk about something practical, right? We're going to talk about how people may or may not attain their goals, right? Correct. So why is it that people don't reach their goals? People don't reach their goals, Jamie, because most of the time they don't have the right goals. And that may surprise you, but when you think about it, many times we are going after things that we think we should. And it could be someone else's goal. Someone else really sees this for us, but it's not our desire. And if it's not our desire, when we hit the first bump in the road or it doesn't seem like it's working out, we're going to abandon it, which is why we don't hit the goal. So first and foremost, many of us are setting the wrong goal. Okay. So how do we create the proper goals then? The first thing you have to ask yourself, and I think this is the most important question, is what do I want? Not what does my partner want me to have, not what do my kids want, not what does my employer want 
what do I want? Most people have never really asked themselves this question. And they haven't asked themselves this question because it can feel uncomfortable because they have a negative connotation to it. Because maybe they were told when they were, when they were growing up, well, you shouldn't want things. You have enough. You know, or to want is to be greedy. They should be happy with what they have. Or if they want things, maybe they're not really grateful for what they do have, which is all a bunch of BS. So they've never asked themselves this question. And many people, I can tell you, Jamie, they're at a loss. And it can take them quite a while to even start to unpack this. In fact, one of the things I do with my clients is I'll ask them to create a 50 want list, the 50 things that you want that money can buy. (laughs) And boy, does that bring up stuff for them. Does that bring up stuff for them? Like, oh, well, that feels shallow. Oh, I shouldn't want that. Oh, you know what? That's not important. That's not what, you know, makes life substantial. And we have to move through those judgments so that you can create a powerful goal. You know, I have to tell you this, Jamie. My mentor said this to me and punched me in the gut. He said, you're trading your life for your goals. So make sure it's worthy of you. And what does that mean? What that means is you're spending your days towards something. So Mm -hmm. it should be what you want, what lights you up. So here's the thing. So, Jamie, let's say you're like, okay, I know what I really, really want. Here's where you may get tripped up or your your listeners may get tripped up. They're going to go straight to the how. Right. But I don't know how to do it. Like, how do I don't know how to do it. I don't have that skills. And all of those, that inner chatter comes in. Like, I'm too old. I'm too young. It's not the right time. I should have done this a long time ago. I'm too tall. I'm too short. Whatever it is, it will start to come into play. And we don't know how. So right then and there, people stop. For me, I, I, I'm not sure I could articulate what my goals are. And, you know, they're constantly changing. I think my fear would be that if I attain the goal, the work that I would have had to put in to attain the goal, I wouldn't be satisfied. And I, you shouldn't be satisfied. That's okay. And what if you're not satisfied? See, we nature is for fuller expression and expansion. You know, we had phones that at one point, I know you remember this, Jamie, they were attached to the wall. Yeah, of course. Do you remember that? Do you no, remember I'm, that? Time? I'm, 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 I'm old, sure. <laughs> and then we wanted to improve it, right? So we're like, well, what if we could walk around the house? And then it was like, what if I could go into my car? What if it could be smaller? What if it could do more things than just make telephone calls? Of course, you know, we reach a point and then there's another place we want to go. But what if that's okay? Would that change how you would feel about goals if you allowed it to be okay that once you hit it, you will desire more? I suppose. You know, I I, I guess maybe what you're saying is, you know, it doesn't really matter whether your goals are transitory or whether you have changing feelings about your goals. It's in the moment, right? Like, what is it you really want now, I suppose, is, is just another way of putting it. How do you maintain the momentum for your goal when maybe you aren't seeing the results right away? Oh, my gosh. So this is the big part of it, right? It's like we could all start. We could gather 100 people and say, we're all starting. We've got our goal. Not everybody will make it to the end. And it's this part here. It's maintaining the momentum. It's maintaining the belief when you don't see it happening. And in fact, not only do you not see it happening, it may seem like things have gotten worse. than they were before when you were just nicely, firmly planted in your comfort zone. And that's because generally things look like a mess when you're in the middle. You know, think about a renovation. You start off, you've got the plans, it feels really good. You can get your energy behind it. You're showing everybody the 3D renderings of it. But then demolition starts. 
And now your home is a construction site. And not only that, but they're finding things behind the walls. Right. That you now have to address, that you weren't expecting. And so what people will do at this point in their goal is they will interpret these problems as a sign to give up, as a sign that maybe it's not meant for them, as a sign that they should not do this right now. And you want to reframe that and just know that these moments are part of the process. And we want to create a really great foundation for it. So it's a blessing that you have found that out now so that you can then create the home that you want. And then at the end of it, you're there and you're in the space. But it's maintaining that messy middle part has to do with faith. So two things. One, faith. You have a lot of faith. Yeah. So, you know, faith. And then also confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is when we will, in those moments where we may inter- where we may encounter problems, is a time where we may start to interpret it as either confirming we should not do it, but what we want to do is find evidence that we should. So you can start to go to other people that have done it, and they'll probably tell you, yeah, it's exactly what I went through. Sure. You'll get through it. This too shall pass. So there's that. And then it's being so locked into your goal that that is what motivates you, which is why when people are setting the wrong goals by not setting goals that light them up, it's easier to abandon a goal that you don't feel connected to. That's something someone else thought you should do. So that those are ways to maintain momentum when you're not seeing it happen or actualize right you know, in that red hot minute or as fast as you hoped it would. Seems to me there has to be a fair bit of willpower involved, right? Particularly if it's a task that takes longer. You know, like if you're not seeing the results right away, you're going to have to have a strength of mind to get you through, right? Mindset is everything. 95% is mindset. 5% is strategy. You're absolutely right, Jamie. You're going to need to be able to keep your attention on what you do want and off of what you don't want. And it's keeping that mental stamina that is the work. Uh, Price Pritchett has said, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. And what I do often in these situations is I look to nature. You know, when we plant a seed in the ground, we know that there's a gestation period. And if we were to go in there and I was to dig it up, like, is it growing? Has it has the roots attached to the soil? Like, is it happening? Every time I would do that, I would interrupt the process of growth. Right. I would be getting in the way. I'd be messing with it. And so sometimes what you need to do, well, actually all the time, is get very clear on your goal, decide that that's what you're going to do, and then you almost like go of the goal, Jamie, and then you just work on your processes. So if it's that, if it's that seed in the ground, I would work on making sure I'm, I'm watering it. Right. I'm nurturing it. So that's what you do in your mind. You're nurturing the goal in your mind. And that's when you're going to get ideas. And you get those ideas and you move into action. I think, you know, particularly if you're talking about something that it, it takes longer to come to fruition, you're going to have to break it up into steps because it just becomes too monumental if you're still thinking about the big picture while you're in the middle of it. And it's much more palatable and actionable if you're saying, okay, in order to achieve that goal, I'm gonna, I've got to do A, B, C, D, and E, and right now I'm in part B. So I've got to finish part B, and then I'll logically I'll get to C, D, and E and take it from there. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And one of the things that I will ask 
so an example with the seed. This is exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So you've planted a seed. So, okay, I've got to water it today. Make sure that, you know, it's getting enough sunlight. You know, maybe clear things, pull out weeds. That's my work today for it. And yeah. that's it. And so we complicate things, and it's like we cannot accept that it could be that simple. It's like, no, let me dig it up. Let me go in there. Let, how long this is going to take? I, I never worry about whether or not anybody can see my vision or not, right? Like, I love my wife dearly, but she sometimes can't see, you know, where I'm going or where I'm heading with some of my bigger projects. And then when I get there, she'll say, oh, okay, I didn't know this is what you meant, but I get it now. And I think we all have to be capable of sort of visualizing what it is we want to do and have the uh, intestinal fortitude to get to that point. Now, I think that's what you're saying. Absolutely. You've got to have, you've got to buy in first. Right. And to such a point that you don't need everyone else to get it. Right. Exactly. Like you don't need her to get it. You're happy to have support, but it's not going to make or break you. If you need external validation as to whether or not your idea is strong enough, then it isn't. Uh, Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much, Jamie. It's a pleasure. That was Hannah Khan. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss how to get iron into your diet on The Tonic. Hi, this is Jamie Buston of The Tonic. If you enjoy The Tonic talk show and podcast, you'll love The Tonic newsletter. With links to the podcast and articles from the magazine, the newsletter will also let you know about upcoming health and wellness events, curated articles from across the internet that expand on the health and wellness topics important to you. There's contests and prizes and so much more. Best of all, it comes directly to you. To subscribe, be sure to visit thetonic.ca. The Tonic newsletter, you know, for what ails you. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Shauna Linzen is a dietitian and nutritionist. She's a program developer and nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. She runs practical cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with culinary education. Her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. And you can find a list of her nutrition classes and recipes at shaunalinzen.com. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? I'm great, Jamie. How are you? Good. We're, we're going a little bit different today. You know, the last couple of times you've been on, we've been talking about actual foods, right? Whether it's, you know, onions and shallots or maybe it's chocolate, But today we're talking about iron, and nobody eats iron bars, although iron is an important part of our diet, right? Absolutely, and I decided to put my dietitian hat on today. Yeah. Which is good because I'm not a dietitian. I can talk food with you, but I, you know, I rely on you for the expertise. So, yeah. so, so what are the requirements for iron for men and for women? Yeah, 
Yeah. So when you look at men versus women, women need more iron than men in their diets because they menstruate. So it actually um, depends on how old you are, you know, pre-menstruation, post-menstruation, that type of thing. So adult men need about eight milligrams of iron in their diet Mm -hmm. and women when, you know, between kind of 12 to 52, need 18 milligrams. So over double the amount of iron that men need. And then once you're postmenopausal and you're not bleeding anymore, you need the same. Interesting. Okay. So I know, for example, there are certain types of diets which are quite popular right now, which may result in iron deficiencies just because of what you're cutting out. Mm-hmm. So how do, for example, how do people who are vegans get the proper amount of iron? And, and if I hit it right, am I right about the vegans not getting enough iron? Well, do you know what's actually interesting? I looked up how much iron is in plant-based foods, like right. vegan foods, like grains and legumes and seeds and nuts. And it turns out that they're actually higher, some of them in iron than meat. But The problem is there's a compound in those foods called phytic acid that doesn't let your body absorb the iron from the food. Like it reduces iron absorption once you eat it. So if you are following a vegan diet, your iron requirements are higher, but you can still get your iron in. Okay. I always understood it that, you know, people who are vegan, you know, they might be able to get their iron, but depending on how they skew their diet, whether they're having enough beans or they're having enough this or that, they may actually not be getting enough. I didn't realize it was an absorption issue. It's an absorption issue, but there are ways to increase or enhance the absorption. Okay. So there are two different types of iron that we take in. One is called heme iron, and heme means blood. So that's like when you eat meat and anything that has starts off having blood. And then the second one is non-heme, and that's the iron that's in your vegetables, in your cereal grains, that type of thing. Now, do you know which vitamin enhances the absorption of iron? I had no idea we were being tested today. (laughs) You did not give me a heads up. And I actually don't know. And that causes me great stress because I'm such a know-it-all. So <laughs> so you've stumped me. Go ahead. Which, which is it? Vitamin C. I was going to say vitamin C. No, I wasn't. Ooh, that would have been a great guess. I had, no, I had no idea. Yeah. So vitamin C actually enhances the absorption of iron. And it, it, people may not know this, but it enhances the absorption of heme iron and non-heme iron. So if you actually are a meat eater and you have a piece of steak and then you eat some strawberries beside it or an orange or potatoes that have vitamin C, you're enhancing the absorption as you're eating it together. I will never eat strawberries with my steak, although I might, <laughs> might, I might have the potatoes, but I'm interested that you went to the strawberries. Because strawberries, it's so funny. When you think of strawberries, you think, I think vitamin C, and of strawberries course. have five times more vitamin C than oranges. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But I'm not eating oranges with my steak either. You but know. you might be having a salad with True. orange slices in I, it. I do. But you know what? I usually have like the fennel and orange salad if we're having fish. There you I, go. Not, but not I sp- steak. Not steak. <laughs> not steak. Now, that's arugula salad. Don't you know anything? Um, <laughs> so are there other diets that are low in iron so that people might need to consider supplementing or upping the vitamin C? 
Yeah, so most diets right now that are really popular are, if, if we talk about the keto diet, that yep. diet's actually not low in iron, no, right? All, because right. It, you're eating a lot of like animal protein. Intermittent fasting, which is another popular one, yep. may be low in iron because you're only eating one or two meals a day. So it's the quantity that you're getting in may not be enough, depending on what you're choosing mm-hmm. within the hours of of not fasting. Got it. Okay. So now we've gone over the diets. We've explained how to up your iron intake. Can you maybe explain some some good recipes or some good ingredients to use if we want to make sure we're getting enough iron in our diet? Yes. So if, let's say you're more plant-based, right? Yep. And you mm-hmm. really want to get the heme iron in, I'm going to say it again, strawberries plus spinach. So spinach is super high in iron, but it's also high in phytic acid. So if you slice in strawberries or oranges or kiwis into a spinach salad, you're really upping the absorption. What about peppers? Peppers have vitamins. Yeah, huh? peppers as well. So if you're making like a tomato, chickpea, cold salad, and you slice in peppers, the chickpeas are loaded with iron, but you need the peppers or the tomatoes to enhance the absorption. So some of these old school Mediterranean recipes are not only tasty, they're, they're functional too. Maybe they were onto something, huh? Yeah. When you say that, the first thing that came to my mind is like a beans and greens type yeah. of recipe. Right. With, and typically the beans and greens recipes have stewed tomatoes in them. Right. And you're right, it's absolutely delicious. And sometimes you can add like a splash of citrus, like lemon juice, which really will enhance the absorption as well. Okay, so, and obviously, you know, if you're not a vegetarian or a vegan, you know, having a piece of red meat will get you there too, right? Yeah, and also another thing is seafood, like oysters, mussels, clams, loaded with iron, liver, I know it's not such a popular thing, but liver, there you go tons of iron. Okay, so you've given us some ideas on how to get your iron, but if you aren't doing a good job, what are the risks of of not having enough iron? So if you feel that you're like kind of sluggish and tired, your iron may be low in your blood. And if you're taking, let's say you're taking a multivitamin and you're a male, multivitamins typically for that are for men they don't have iron added into them because men don't have high iron requirements like women so women the multivitamins that are produced specifically for women do have quite a bit of iron added to them now if you're actually taking an iron supplement what you are, if your doctor or dietitian advises you to, there are different iron supplements on the market, and some of them are elemental iron. So I'm just going to briefly go through that. So sure. something like ferrous fumarate is elemental iron, and it's 33% iron by weight, but ferrous sulfate is only 20% iron. By weight, and ferrous gluconate is only 12%. So the iron that you choose may be very different. So speak to a pharmacist if you're buying iron supplements. And it's also important to be monitored by a health professional if you are taking supplements because you could overdose on iron. That's called hemochromatosis, where your body will absorb too much iron. So it's always safe 
after you take supplements for a few months to get your blood tested um, again. Okay. So when I was a kid growing up and we were allowed to have like the breakfast cereals with all the cartoons on the boxes, you know, if you're a kid and you, you bothered to read the side, you would see that those cereals were enriched with iron. Does that still happen? Or do we still have food that is enriched with iron so that we don't have to worry about getting into our diet? Yeah, like in the old days, I don't know if you remember cream of wheat. I said cream to, of wheat all the time. We used to recommend that, cream of wheat, because it's iron fortified for people to eat that. We don't really recommend that as much anymore because we have more of like the whole grains, like oats yeah. have iron, and breakfast cereals do have iron. So if people are going more plant-based and having less of the meat products, breakfast cereals offer some iron. And you can just slice in some citrus or have like um, an orange on the side to enhance the absorption. Do you know what else has iron? What? Pasta. In Canada, it's enriched. So you want to make sure that you read the labels and you see how much iron. Some organic pastas aren't enriched, so you want to just read the label and see if there's iron added into it. I'm a bit of a pasta snob, and I get, I buy the imported brands. Are the Italians fortifying their pasta with iron, or, or is that on a brand-by-brand yes, brand basis? Sometimes they are, but sometimes the organic ones aren't. So even from Italy. So you really have to be diligent in terms of reading the package labels to see if there's iron in there. So I'm still in shock from what you said a minute ago. Are you are you the dietitian actually advocating for breakfast cereals? <laughs> Do you know what? All foods fit. And if, let's say, you have your daughter, your son, or a relative goes plant-based and they're not eating a, a well-rounded diet, Sometimes the breakfast cereals are okay, but no, I do recommend more of a whole food, like an oat, than a very ultra-processed cereal. Fair enough. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. That was Shauna Lindzen. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show and podcast, I'm also the publisher of the Tonic Magazine. The Tonic is published six times a year and is delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. It's also available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA. And if you miss it, you can also read The Tonic online at thetonic.ca. Hey, if you like The Tonic Talk Show, I know you'll love The Tonic Magazine. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Dr. Stacey Irvine, D.C., is the co-founder of Totem Life Science. The philosophy and identity of Totem have been greatly influenced by Stacey's love of athletics and her passionate belief that everyone will benefit from a healthy, active lifestyle in their own unique way. Through her work as a chiropractor and strength and conditioning specialist, Dr. Irvine's clientele ranges from beginners just starting out 
on an exercise program to elite and professional athletes looking for advanced rehabilitation and training program strategies. She's also a frequent guest on this show. Welcome back, Stacey. How are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. So things are opening up. Yippee-ki-yay, right? So exciting. Finally, it's been a long haul. But you know what? Like anything, like we've forgotten. We I've forgotten so many things because of COVID. And like one of the things that you have to think about if you're For example, going back to the gym is how we conduct ourselves, right? You are so right. It's such an important topic and it's something that I've noticed in the last little while that is going to take some getting used to. And it's going to take a little bit of extra thought. I was fortunate enough to be down in Florida a few weeks ago where everything is open. Yeah, it's different there. It's very different. However, I was in the gym and I have to say, it's it's a little freaky when you're first in there and everybody's in there with no masks and you're inside and they're sweating and the treadmill is going and there's heavy breathing happening. It is hard for us conservative kind of Canadians to get used to that feeling because we've been the other way for so long. So it definitely requires some conversation and some thought. So we're on the cusp of things opening up in Ontario. You understand this probably better than anybody. What's it going to look like in the gym just vis-a-vis the COVID protocols or post-COVID protocols? I think it's going to be a bit of an adjustment period where certain people are going to be comfortable with certain things. And other people aren't going to care at all. They, they want to be, you know, fully mask off. Let's go. I'm very happy to be back here. And that is, to me, that's going to be the challenge is that we have to really think about our gym etiquette. And I think we also have to think about how far we came working together. Right. We don't want people to be getting into arguments on the gym floor. You know, we, we've had enough of that over this last little while. I think we really want to be thoughtful and respectful and say, like, look at what we've all contributed. You know, we've gotten vaccinated. We've been wearing our masks for two bloody years. We've been staying in our homes, watching our Netflix and not going out, you know. We've really committed to this, and I want everyone to think about now, what does that commitment look like in the gym as we open up? And a big part of it is being respectful of each other and understanding that not everyone has the same comfort level maybe that you do. There might be an older person in there, there might be an immunocompromised person in there, or someone who has a child who's immunocompromised or something. So we all have different reasons and different histories We need to keep respecting that like we have and also be very excited that we're opening up and we're able to do our workouts and we're able to be, you know, in there without a mask on. To me, it's thrilling and exciting. Agreed. Okay, so let's get beyond COVID as part of the discussion. There's certain baseline other issues that we need to consider when we're going back out in public. And so it's it's one thing if you want to go topless and, and home and like, you know, shirts off, go on your <laughs> rowing machine. And I'm speaking about the men, not the women, of course, you know, at home, you can do whatever you want. But when we go to a gym, there's proper attire, right? Yes. yes. So believe it or not, we've had this exact issue pop up recently. No, I believe it. Okay, so first of all, gym attire should fit. Right. Okay, so if things have changed during these past two years, if you've gained weight or lost weight, 
your old gym attire is not going to work. So please don't show up, you know, with the half top the with your stomach <laughs> and the short shorts. I, I've had guys that I've worked with before, men, where there was a laundry service at the gym that I worked at, and you know they put it in those high heat dryers, and right. after a few months. Their shorts kept getting shorter, and the tops kept getting shorter, and they would come out looking like they were almost wearing a bikini.、Yeah. And I had to say to them, "Guys, look, your wife would kill me if I didn't say something to you. It's got a cover." Yeah, <laughs> this is not the Borat workout, right? <laughs> like, like, like speedo, speedos、yeah. are long since、yeah. out. Yeah, nobody wants、yeah. to see the junk. Nobody, yes. nobody yes. wants to see <laughs> the whole shebang. This is not body shaming, by the way. We're not, we're、It、not talking about that. It's not that. It's also that. But when your clothes fit and they're comfortable, you can focus on your workout. If you have to keep pulling your shirt down or pulling your shorts up, we we've had people who have also lost weight where their shorts are falling off. Right. So you don't want to have to pull your shorts up a hundred times during your workout. Nobody wants to see plumber's bum, right? Exactly, when you're squatting. Exactly.、Right. Exactly.、Okay. If you're、so. taking the effort to go to the gym, go out, find some nice stuff that fits. It's been two years.、Yeah. You know, treat yourself. Treat yourself. There's lots of great things out there. It's not expensive. Just go get yourself a good. Outfit for the gym. Fair enough. And the other thing is personal hygiene. If you're working out on your own, you may not be cognizant of what you're putting out there. Let's put it that way. But you're back with people now, yes. so yes. you know,、yep. clean up your act, Figu-、yes. figuratively and literally, right?、Yes. Brush your teeth. Yeah. Put your deodorant on. Yeah.、Uh, you know, we we need to do these things now. We're back out in public. It's part of what we do. Okay. So so a lot of gyms have equipment,、mm-hmm. and it's just, you know there's unwritten rules. And you may not be aware of them when you go to a gym about how you conduct yourself. Like, let's talk about like hogging machines and stuff like that. So,、mm-hmm. where, where do you come down? How does it work there? Okay, so this is a great question, and it used to be a bit different prior to all this. So, I think we again, this is one of the things that we have to rethink. When I was down in Florida working out in these tiny little gyms, I kind of just picked my area that I was comfortable being in, and I did all of my stuff there. So I、right. brought my equipment over, and I kind of just stuck to my area. You know, I avoided the treadmills and things where people were like breathing heavy and and that type of thing. I think the key is going to be, you know, respectful communication. Right and saying, you know, are you okay if I borrow this piece for a bit, or how many sets do you have left? Yeah, these are the things that we forgot about doing.、Right. So, so say someone is on a machine and they're doing set after set after set. And you want to get in and do one set, so all you do is you just go over and you say, "Okay, you know, do you know what time you're finishing? I'll go do something else while you're working on this." I kind of think the days of working in might be over. You know, that used to be how we did it.、Yeah. So they do one set, you'd go do another set, and and you'd work in. It's going to take us a while to get back to that. And you know things like the bench press and stuff, like changing the weights and putting them on and taking them off and and working in that way. I think it's going to be one person at the bench press for a while. You're going to go do other exercises, then you're going to come back to that piece of equipment. Again, the key is being respectful, communicating in a nice way. Will get you, I think, a really good workout. We easily can do all these things together, and I think it will make your workout more enjoyable. Yeah, and obviously, you still have to wipe down the equipment、yes. after you use it. Yeah, and I guess what you're also saying is like be flexible, right? Like even if、yeah. you like to do things in a certain order, yeah. 
as gyms are getting busier, you may not be able to do your presses after you do your legs or your squats. So, you know what? Change it up a bit. It's not really going to change things. It won't. To it your won't. detriment. Just be patient with everybody, right? Yeah, be patient and be flexible. That's that's a good word. And look, nobody wants to show up to a piece of equipment with a pool of sweat sitting on it. Okay, yeah. that's just gross. So bringing a towel or the gyms are great right now. There's hand sanitizer everywhere. There's spray bottles everywhere. There's towels everywhere because we've had to do that, you know, as a result of the time we've been through. So use that stuff. When you finish on a piece of cardio and you've been breathing all over it, just take, it takes three seconds, spray it, wipe it down and you're done with it. I think that those things are extremely important right now. And and it shows that you respect the gym and you respect your, you know, your friends and members that are a part of the gym with you. It is a community and we really need to, you know, work together. The gym owners have been through enough. (laughs) They they don't need to be breaking up arguments and saying, you know, you have to do this thing and this thing. We we all know what we need to do. We just need to, it's going to be a little bit extra effort. You're going to need to, you know, work a little harder. Okay. So some gyms have classes. So what would be your top points if you're going back to a class? Things to think about. I would think about, you know, what does the space in the class look like? I would definitely take a towel always in with me to the class. Here's the thing that's happening in gyms that is freaking people out. If you sneeze or cough, you want it to be into a towel or into your sleeve or something like that. So, so make sure. And you know what? Another really thing we important thing we all need to do is don't go out when you have symptoms. Yeah. Okay. So so if you have a cough, it might not be COVID, but it's something else. But you're going to really disrupt the people in the class if every few minutes in the class you're coughing. You are going to kind of freak people out. That's the day to stay at home and do your class virtually, okay, until your symptoms are gone. So I think that's an important rule that we all need to learn is do not go out with symptoms. But do get back into the class and enjoy yourself. Lots of communication. Make sure you sign up ahead of time because they're still limiting the spaces in lots of classes. And also don't show up late, right? Like Never. Like, like you know, Never. you're at home. You can work out whenever you want. But if you're going to a class, be respectful. Yes, show, early, show, early, early. At, early at least is, 10 minutes early. Early is the new on time. Okay, one last little area. Distractions, right? Like you're at home. You can kind of do your workout at your own pace and pick up your phone and do this or that. A little bit different when you're in the gym, right? Like, it is. It so, is. Leave your phone in your locker, you know, I think, if you can, or at the very least, turn the ringer off. Yep. And if you have to take a call that you need to speak loudly, just leave. Like, get off the gym floor, go somewhere, you know, step out the door. Hopefully the good weather's coming soon. We can do all that. But but don't get in the middle of a business call in the gym. I've seen people take calls in the middle of spin class, and you just want to throttle them. Yes, that is ridiculous. Like, like honestly, ridiculous. like, I have a low boil point, yeah. but nothing gets me more upset than somebody who thinks their phone call is more important than a class that everybody is paid to be there. A hundred percent. Let's say we stop that right here, right now. No more of that. Right. And talking, right? Like if people are there to work out, you got to give them the opportunity to do it, right? Like yeah, let, let's yeah. not distract people. It's it's a sanctuary for a lot of people. And, you know, these days with the AirPods, a lot of people have them in yeah. and you might forget, like take them out because the volume of your voice is going to be very loud. So again, it's, it's learning to work together. It's learning to make everyone's experience as enjoyable as possible because we need to be together. We need to be back doing these things. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure, always. 
Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Dr. Gordon Chang, Hina Khan, Shauna Lindzen, and Dr. Stacey Irvine, DC. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at It's The Tonic on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of The Tonic magazine. The March-April issue is available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our new website, thetonic.ca. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at thetonic.ca. On our next show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.